day together um, in the house of the Lord. Um, we're going to continue our study in the book of Acts and um, kind of almost going to make it to the end of Acts today, Acts 18, I'm sorry. So we're going to look at Acts 18, verses 18 through 23. Again, Acts chapter 18, um, 18 through 23. We have been talking about Paul being in the Corinth church. We've heard about how the Corinthian church got kind of how it got formed. But now we're going to see the transition away from Corinth to uh, the end of the second missionary journey and also begin the third missionary journey. So let me read before Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him, Priscilla and Aquila at uh, Kinkri, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on, on taking leave of them, he said, I'll return to you if God's will. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to another through the region of Galatia, Phrygia, and strengthening all the disciples. Let me pray for us and uh, ask the Lord to bless us and as we see what the Lord is showing with us uh, in these verses here today. Let me pray for us. Father God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again, Lord, for bringing us back together as your people. Um, Lord, we uh, were so um, encouraged and fed your word this morning through the singing and the preaching and, Lord, and the prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you for bringing us back again for more, um, for more of your word, Lord, the more building up at this time. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to bless us at this time. Build, build me up. Help me in the areas, Lord, of my... Um, weakness and, and, and areas that I um, that I need help in, Lord. I ask you, Lord, just help me, Lord, holy. So I can preach your word faithfully, Lord, and your people, Lord, that are listening, Lord, for them to be encouraged, Lord. So build your people up and, uh, and care for your people at this time. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to be with us and to guide us, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now we have came again to this end of this second missionary journey. And one thing about it is um, it reminds me of the March Madness basketball every year, you know, and how it's, the trip is like so fun to be able to see all the games are played, then it ends, and we anticipate for the actual the next basketball season to begin. And I think in a similar way as Paul hearing about so many great stories, we have learned about what happened in Berea, the Berean church, how the brothers and sisters and Berea was actually, they were searching a word. They didn't just take Paul's word. They opened up the scripture and searched a word. Then we heard about the, uh, the family, we heard about what happened in Ephesus, how the church was being established in Ephesus, and we're going to hear more about Ephesus today. And so even though we might be sad that the missionary trip is ending, we're going to be excited on, it's going to be the third missionary trip that's going to begin. So let's jump right into the point number one. 
the end of the second missionary journey. Look at verses 18 to 21. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then he took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. Well, Paul was still in Corinth. You know, you read the book of Corinthians, you say, oh, man, there's so many things going on in the book of Corinthians, so many um, sin issues in the church of Corinth. But it was some established believers there in Corinth. It was people that were baptized in Corinth. We talked about that last week. Who Paul baptized last week. But also, Paul stayed there, and one of the guys that was there was Galileo, was like the proconsul in his area. And for them, the Jewish people took Paul to him to be able to try to say that this guy right here is teaching things contrary to what we believe. And the guy Galileo, he the one that said, well, that's a matter that you guys deal with. You deal with this matter. And so for him, he didn't punish them. The crazy thing about it, though, is that we look back into the verses... Um, Uh, we heard about the guy named Sosthenes in verse 17. He became the leader of the synagogue, and for him, he was actually punished. The reason Paul wasn't punished because what the Lord told him in verse 9, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. So God told Paul is that, Paul, you can go forward and preach the gospel. They will not harm you. And the Lord fulfilled that. The Lord didn't allow them to harm him in Corinth, but Sosthenes went on. Let's just show you a little protection over Paul in his ministry. And so what did Paul do since they couldn't touch him there? Paul just stayed in Corinth a little longer. Normally Paul get ran out of town. But in Corinth, we see in verse 18 that Paul stayed many days longer. And when he normally when Paul stayed days longer, Paul is there encouraging them more and more in the word. Again, I mentioned about Corinth is, I think Tim Keller kind of described different types of cities. Corinth would have been a very industrial city. Um, Ephesus would have been a big, I think they said Ephesus would be known for like a lot of city, probably where a lot of partying is at. I think it would have, I don't know if it, I think you might have said Miami or somewhere last week. Uh, but Corinth would have been a nice city. It was a port type city, very close to the port. You had a lot of different industry there, there in Corinth. So a lot of people was in this there, and this area pretty flooded in this area with people. And Paul was able to stay there and minister the gospel to them. And after he ministered the gospel to them, and after he didn't get punished by the people, what happened is that Paul leaves now, and Paul heads set sail for Syria. Syria is where Antioch is located. Um, the sending church. You remember Paul and Barnabas earlier? It was, uh, Paul and Barnabas got sent out on the first missionary trip. And now on the second trip, they kind of split up over some issues. Then eventually by John Mark. Then on the second missionary trip, Paul and Silas went out together and planted together. We heard about um, Lucas on this trip with them. We heard about uh, Priscilla and Aquila was on the trip with them. So it's a pretty established group here that's on this trip on the second missionary journey. And so Priscilla and Aquila, for them, Paul meets them by when they were making tents. 
in the area of Corinth. And what happened now is that as Paul meets with them and ministers the word to them, they ask to come along and travel with Paul. So I don't know if Paul continued his tent business too as well on the road because the brother wasn't trying to take money from the church because he was trying to establish the church. He was trying to get the church more established so he didn't want to take money from the church. And so what he did was he built tents. And not only he did it, but Priscilla and Aquila built tents as well. So on the way to Antioch, to get to Antioch, which is Antioch, it's about over a thousand miles away. A thousand miles. So think about from Palm Bluff to, say, New York. Palm Bluff to New York. They're that far away. They're far away from the church of Antioch and also from the church of Jerusalem. They got a long way to go. But also, you notice, too, what separates them as well to get back is also water. They have to take a boat. So they have to go to a place called King Creek or Syncrete. They got to go to this place. This is the place to port. Because if not, they would have to backtrack all the way back. So they would end, say, Corinth. They would have to go all the way back to the area of Ephesus or Berea. Then they have to go back to um, Thessalonica, all the way back to Philippi to take sail there in that area. Pretty far, I think it was um, uh, Pargos. I forgot the name of the place. But for them is that they didn't go all the way back they just went on one from Corinth and caught the next port near to them, and they caught the uh, sail, and they went back to Syria from there. But before they left, though, King Creed, I think it's fascinating why Paul mentioned his name. Do we ever know that name? Do you know that city? Is that city ever mentioned again, or somebody's from that city? Yes, it is. Our sweet sister Phoebe. The sister in Romans 16, 1, verse 2. One, Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. Commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church of Cancri, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way of worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. What it, where could this possibly happen at? This probably could have happened on this missionary trip. On the second missionary trip on the way back, as at Kinkery, Paul could have possibly met our sister Phoebe. It's like this whole trip, he's meeting number women. I mean, he met some gods on the way, but women are a major role in Paul's ministry. Phoebe possibly assisting him Paul here, and that's where Paul gets his cut haircut here. We'll talk about that in a second, about the, the vow that he was under. But Phoebe probably assisting him with some type of way of dealing with this vow. I don't know exactly. But we know that Phoebe assisted him in a certain way. And that's why we can see church membership makes a difference. Because Paul tells the Roman church, he said, hey, that sister Phoebe, she's a sister in the Lord. She's faithful to the church. Y'all can receive her. Because the church at this time, they knew there was a lot of people that was imposters to the church. If the wrong person joined the church, they can come in as a pastor, imposter and they can come in and give the church up and the church can actually get hurt or get people get killed in this. So it's very careful that who was part of this church. Phoebe was one of them that Paul recommended. And there's something about this church in Rome too I just 
just really um, just see it so fascinating when we get into the book of Romans is that if you notice, Paul also talks about Aquila and I think in Priscilla also in the book of Romans. It seemed like Phoebe is there, Priscilla and Aquila is in Rome. Everybody has flocked to the church of Rome. I think the possibility is, I think that crying need in Athens, when Paul saw all those idols and statues there, he cried to the brothers, they come here quickly. Think about Rome at the time. Rome is the capital of the world. This is right here, your Caesar is at. Rome was the place that kind of was the strongest kingdom. They say whatever existed was Rome. So Rome was a very, um, a very strong kingdom that stretched itself out all the way over to Caesarea in Israel, which they had a, a province there. It was actually in the place of Ephesus. It was all the way over. They had areas over in northern Africa. They had Roman places. So the Roman kingdom was stretched out everywhere. And mind you, the U.S. is talking about of the United States military just so spread out everywhere. That's what you think of within the Roman area. Rome was spread out everywhere. And they had a communication system as well. I got a chance to see this. I was on the Mount of Masada, on the top of the mountain, and I was able to see these little cubby holes there in Masada. And the guy asked, what do you think these things meant? And I said, uh, I'm not sure. Come to find out, that was holes for like doves and pigeons. You know how you read about like birds will be sent to other places? They are tied a letter up to their feet. They are tied a note up to a bird, and the bird would go and go tell, they would be trained and go to the next place and share certain news. You'll deliver the message to the next province what's going on. So they would communicate like with birds all the way back to the Roman Empire of what's going on if they need to send, uh, send troops and things of that nature. So the Roman government was very sophisticated. They were very sophisticated in what they did. So I, I just can imagine, though, is that if Rome was this place that would have so much brilliance and had so much power, I would think that either Paul is going to later going to be taken, I believe, to Rome. Um, we're going to see that the gospel, the gospel, in a sense of, it needed to be in Rome. And eventually we're going to find out three, four hundred years later, right? the rise of the Roman Catholic Church in the midst of all this. And so I think it is a relation to what God is doing there in Rome. But our sister Phoebe, she's there in Rome. She's come from this church right here in King, um, King Creek there. Let me speak a little moment about the vow to as well. We see here is that you know, Jesus died, right, and resurrected. Why is Paul still upon a vow? Does that make sense? Why is he still on a vow? That's a couple of things we can think about in this with, on the vows here. Um, we talk about in detail about the vow, but some possibility is that still it might have been virtue in this, not for salvation's sake. It might have been for abstaining for certain things, or for the sense of certain type of teaching or tra um, the training that Paul was under. Over time, he might have considered to continue doing different vows for certain, you know, not to kind of caused the brother to stumble within Judaism, but it seemed like he still honored vows at this particular time. But let me say what somebody said right here. Paul was intended to go to Jerusalem, but before going to King Creek, because he shaved his head, his hair, to conclude a Nazareth vow, which is the number six, two, um, two, five, nine, and 18. Doing so may, may, doing so may have been Paul's expression 
a thanks to God for protecting him at Corinth. The ritual would include offering a sacrifice at the temple and, and burning hair devoted to God on the altar. The actions show that Paul never disregarded the law relevance to Jews, contrary to false charges from others. John Stott's comments, One, once Paul had been liberated from the attempt to be justified by the law, his conscience was free to take part in practices which, being ceremonial or cultural, belonged to the matters of indifference. Perhaps on this occasion, in order to con consolate the Jewish Christian leaders, leaders, he was going to see in Jerusalem. So Paul was free from the law, but in a free of, if you want to kind of do certain things to say, hey, to honor and tribute to the Lord, to burn hair and things of that nature, not for salvation's sake, they said it's kind of liberty in that. But I can really see this kind of leaning more towards that Paul knew these Jews that he was around and that for them that knew Paul, he left out of Jerusalem church that knew him. I don't know what, if he's connected with the vow. Because think about it. He did the vow before he, I mean, he cut his hair before he went back to Jerusalem. So it seemed like he had to get this done before he went back to Jerusalem for some particular reason. I don't know. But it, so it, it probably could have came out of something that happened in the church of Jerusalem. Because the people in Jerusalem was a lot of the Judaizers. A lot of them were still trying to say you got to be circumcised. So it's possibly that Paul was doing this to pretty much, in the words, to shut their mouths. I don't know. We don't know. But he did participate in certain vow. We know. But knowing that Paul, writing through Romans and through the gospel, he has expressed and have shared with us over and over again on his understanding of the law. That we're not bound to the law. That we're not enslaved to the law anymore. And he said the law is good. The law shows us who we are, but we say it by Christ alone. We see that all throughout the Romans, book of Romans. Point number two now we see now, now as they end the second missionary journey, they head back to Caesarea. So let's look at point number two. The visit to Jerusalem and Antioch. When he had landed to Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church. And then when they, they went down to Antioch after spending some time there. So Paul lands back in Caesarea. It's two types of Caesarea. It's a Caesarea Philippi. You guys remember when Jesus went up to the, um, to the mountains and the disciple asked the disciple, who do people say that I am? And he asked them, some people say John the Baptist, some people say these different names. Well, that was Caesarea Philippi. That was north going toward Damascus. This Caesarea right here was on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It was actually a place where the Roman, one of the Roman governors would be at, be located at. And so they would go to Caesarea, and they said it went up. You think about us, you say it went up. You think it went up towards Damascus. At this time, when they say it went up, the place they always go up to, the place with the center of everything for them was Jerusalem. So they went up to Jerusalem. The same thing on the first missionary trip. When they came back, they reported things to the church of Jerusalem, and they reported things to the church of Antioch. The same thing they did on this trip. They went down to Ash, I mean, they went up to Jerusalem. One person says this, though Jerusalem isn't mentioned in the Greek here, most interpreters see it as implied by the verb went up and went down. Paul visited the church there in verse 22. So Paul would have reported to the church on a mission. 
the work that took place on the second missionary trip. He would have went back and reported to them, hey, Ephesus now, the people in Ephesus believe. The place where we know where idols are at, in Ephesus they believe. No, the Ephesus in Corinth. The industrial city where you got a lot of your, your, your values, a lot, of me, a lot of your um, your products and things from. In Corinth, now they believe. Thessalonica believe. If you notice, though, this is so amazing. On the first missionary trip, we heard about Derby. We heard about Pisidia, Antioch. We heard about all the Iconium, churches that are establishing, y'all. These brothers on fire. These brothers on fire, and churches are coming up everywhere. And I think about it. Paul wrote a letter to every church, and it became a canonical. Man, we probably have about 50 or 60 more books. This is how many churches that are being established. This also helps us, too. When so many critics try to talk about the Bible, it's just like it was a made-up book. People put it all together. Now, when you read the book of Acts, it makes so much sense that these were actually places. These were places that Paul knew people. He had homies there on the ground. He had sisters there on the ground. He was there navigating the ground. And also we see the order and the structure was happening. Paul communicates with the church of Jerusalem and the church of Antioch. He goes on a mission field. He comes back to the church to report. This is, it's the order in these writings. These writings is not over, all over the place. This mission trip is not all over the place. They have order to this and what's happening here. So after Paul talks to the Jerusalem church, he leaves there and go back to the Antioch church. And Paul makes it to the Antioch church to be with the saints. And he will be there for some time there. He'll be there in Antioch for some time. Last time they were the Antioch church, like, they, did, they dealt with the issue of circumcision. But now Paul, he, didn't, he was there for some time. But it seemed like he wanted to get back. So we don't have any more detail on what happened when he went back to actually Antioch. After he went to Antioch, it seemed like he got right back out of there. A couple things here we can notice too here is that, and I didn't mention earlier, uh, Priscilla and Aquila, Paul leaves them back in Ephesus too as well. He, as he, we, we, we plant the gospel to them, he leaves them back and says, I'll be back to Ephesus. So he's going to go back to Ephesus on his first missionary, on his third missionary trip, he's going to go straight back to Ephesus here shortly. But we see here, though, is that Paul is not wasting any time. Something about Ephesus, he want to get his ground, he want to go back to. And that's going to take a lot of the third missionary trip that's going to be in Ephesus. All right, let's jump to point number three. Paul begins the third missionary journey. He departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now Paul leads to his final mission trip in the book of Acts. This is the last one, y'all, in the book of Acts. The next trip we're going to take is not a missionary trip. The brother taking he's going to be go taken to the uh, to the jail. He'll be incarcerated. So I don't know if you consider that a missionary trip. Um, they're going to take the brother in chains back to different places. But it's the final missionary trip that he go freely on with the brothers. 
So he goes to the area of Padilla, Antioch, which is the place that he'd been to already. So, and he goes in strengthening the churches. So it seemed like he, as he goes to new churches, he's strengthening the church. So it made me think about even in, when the Christian church started growing, even in the first century, the first thing the Christian church did, the brothers did, they went straight to the synagogue. They went to the synagogue to the Jews first because they was given the oracles of God. And as they went to the Jews first and given to the oracles of God, then they met the Christians that came out of that synagogue and they started churches out of that synagogue. So what did Paul do here? Paul take the same model here. He doesn't go straight back playing to more churches. He does the same thing he's done in the past. He go back to actually minister the gospel to the people he already ministered the gospel to. He go there and in the church. I think a lot of times we said the number one product priority for us is evangelism or missionary or missiology. Our number one goal as the church is to strengthen one another in the church, in the body of Christ. It's to strengthen one another. We don't neglect one another to, to build a bigger church. We strengthen one another. As we strengthen one another, then we evangelize out to the world. And that's what Paul did. He strengthened the church with God's word. The church was the minority at this time. Persecution was happening in the church. We have identified it so many times already. How Paul, every time he goes somewhere, they're after the brother. I think Paul's words are just disrespectful to y'all. You know how somebody can talk noise to you and they thought you can get by? But somebody can talk noise to you that can be very disrespectful. You like, you just got to say something back. I think Paul was like disrespectful with the word. Like, Paul cut him hard with it. He didn't hold back with it. And for them, even in the Ezra of Berea, the Thessalonians, they were so mad at him. Paul was waiting in Berea. He over there ministering the word to them. Man, they went all the way around the whole town, all the way about 20 miles around. We got to find this dude. They went all the way to Berea and they found him. And Paul was like, man, what's going on? They ran Paul out of town. And Timothy and Silas stayed back in Berea to minister the word. So Paul, so they won't be persecuted. So the Berean church won't be persecuted. So everywhere Paul went, then we heard about what happened in, um, what's that, Iconium? Um, no, no, I'm sorry, uh, um, Lystra. Paul almost got killed. They stoned Paul. They tried to leave him for dead over there in Lystra. But you don't hear the same thing happen to Silas and Timothy, though. I think Silas get that, get, Silas gets some, get some, um, uh, he get in trouble by, by, by the unbelievers because his association with Paul. And you remember too, on the first missionary trip, they called Paul was actually said the God of Hermes because he was the, the one that was a great orator, the great communicator. So it made sense. Paul had a mouthpiece. Paul could say some things that are riled people up and they want to kill him the next day. The mom of somebody. But Paul was like that, y'all. And what happened, though, was that they wanted to kill Paul. But Paul, that didn't discourage him. He went back to the same places when he strengthened the church. The brother was fearless, y'all. He wasn't afraid of them. He wasn't afraid of them at the time. And even in the Roman government, was they were still fighting different kingdoms and things around Paul was still making the same missionary trips. And they went over to the Glacier region. 
And it was believers in these places. And real quick, Greg read Acts 2. You remember these places that Paul went back to, Galatia and Phrygia? Phrygia? You look back at Acts chapter 2, the places mentioned. Listen to this. And at the sound of the multitude came together, they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galatians? How it was, how is it that we hear each of us his own native language? The Parthians and the Medes and the Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus. You might remember that name, Pontus. And Asia, where Paul has been going. Phrygia, verse 10, what Paul just mentioned. Phamphylia, we remember Phamphylia was the place they went to before they got to Pisidia. Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. Family, this is so beautiful. Many of those that heard, you remember when Pentecost happened, when the Spirit came down, people started speaking different languages? A lot of times people say they just start babbling and babbling an unknown language. No, they were speaking people native languages. They was understanding each other. They was understanding the language that they would know was in Rome, the language that they would know in Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia. They would know these different languages, and the people respond to the gospel. And as they respond to the gospel in different languages, we see here in this text right here, people were actually visitors from these places. So guess what happened? A lot of these people went back. So a lot of times we're thinking that Paul went to these places with nobody on the ground. Family, I'm kind of convinced, and we're already seeing this, Paul has some connects already. I think Paul has connects from the day of Pentecost. The people were actually on the grounds already from different places, and he was meeting up with people. And you guys remember the name John Mark? It's a lot of historians Historians go on and say that the first church that we know that was in Egypt was actually started by John Mark. So the actual church in Africa was started by John Mark. Many historians, I think Josephus might have mentioned that Mark, John Mark started the churches there. So that makes sense. Like you get the churches called Libya was in Africa. You have Cyrenians in Africa. You have also Egypt in Africa. All these different places. And we don't hear that Paul went to these places. So what could have happened is that a lot of them, like John Mark, even him and Barnabas went places. I think people was going as these disciples, they went to different places. And they ministered the gospel. They even mentioned, I don't know how true it is, I think the Justin Book of Martyrs, they mentioned, I think Peter was killed upside down, I mean, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think they said he was killed upside down in Rome. Read the Justin Book of Martyrs, all these disciples was actually killed in these different places. So again, when people try to say that Christianity in the African-American community was given to us in the sense of through slavery, that's a lie. You had Christianity in Africa way before slavery. You had Christianity in Europe. You had Christianity in the first century spreading across the world. Even in the Nubian kingdom. I talked a little bit about that last week. You had the Nubian kingdom. You had Ethiopia. So the Christian church was thriving. So that's not true to say that Christianity was forced in Africa. It was already thriving even in the first century. 
in Northern Africa. So Paul went to Phrygia to strengthen the disciples. And I just can imagine the other disciples at this time going to these other places, scripting disciples. One person says this, this chapter reminds us that Paul loved the gospel, the church, and the king's mission. So let's follow this model. Paul encountered weakness and fear, but found strength in God's abundant grace. So let's look to the sufficiency of God's grace in our trials. Paul resolved to preach the cross in the midst of an arrogant and immoral culture. So by the power of the Spirit, let's do the same. Amen. So family, let's preach the gospel. As the world is panicking about Ukraine and Russia and what's going on in the world, we give the gospel to weary people. Amen. We give hope to the weary people. So I would say is that as these opportunities present themselves, is that we're not afraid of what's happening to the world because we know this world is not our home. God goes to prepare a place for us. But what we do is that when fearful people come to us, we give them a gospel. We give them hope. We give them something. We give them something that, 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 that shoots out all fear from the things of this world. And that's Jesus Christ. So family, let us be more like what we learned from Paul. But look what Paul got it from. Paul got it from Jesus. Jesus was persecuted everywhere he went. They were trying to stone the brother. When the brother was on the cliff, I don't know how he got off this cliff. They had him boxing on the cliff. They were about to throw him off the cliff. All of a sudden, he get out of it. In the same way, over and over how Jesus was, was persecuted throughout his ministry, he prevailed. Paul was persecuted, prevailed. Family will prevail. So let us be faithful with the gospel. Let us minister the gospel well. Let me end with some application here. Oh, as we go out to do evangelism, are we afraid? If you are afraid, let us be reminded about Paul here. Paul faced the things that you might be facing. A lot of times we, we go out and do evangelism, we might feel like something might happen to us. We might feel the tension might be around us. Family Paul saw it as well. But God kept him. So as you go out and do missionary work and do evangelism, Remember that the same God that kept Paul, he'll keep you. So don't be fearful when you go out there, but go with boldness. Also, this application right here came from James Boyce. Aquila and Priscilla and Apollos and Paul were all needed in the church. How do we know? We know because God called them. Paul, with his energetic missionary fervor, Apollos, who watered the seed that Paul had sown, Priscilla and Aquila, who settled down, opened up their homes, and were hosts to the developing church. Each one, each one was necessary. Where are you at in this? Where am I at in this? Where are we at in this? Who is this energetic missionary fervor in the church? Who is watering those, the seeds that Paul has sown? Who is watering within the church? Who is settled down? within the church. Who have opened their homes? We have heard the Joneses open our homes. And many others have opened the pistols open their homes. I think we already seeing the beauty 
of the local church already that's happening within the church that are established, a family. Let us continue. Let us at the point that the Shahs open up their home, that, that everyone in here open up their home, that we can be a, be a family together. So family, let us all see where we can play and play our role in this. As Miss Lisa might be the one that plant the seed and somebody might come in and water, Greg might come in and water. So family, let us all play our role in the beauty of the body of Christ to see a beauty church, beautiful church to come out of this. And the last thing, family, let us be encouraged also that God will build a church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The hit church will be built. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of things in this world. There are many people out there that really, that, that really are in desperate need of the gospel. And they're waiting to hear the gospel. But we don't know if we're not out there ministering the gospel to them. So family, let us go out and let us minister the gospel faithfully amongst our community. Let us stop there tonight. Um, that's the end of the second missionary trip. This is the, last, this is the beginning of the third missionary trip. And now we're going to hear about a lot about the church of Ephesus. Then we're going to eventually hear about when Paul's going to be taken to, to captivity, and we're going to go from there. And uh, hopefully, then we'll probably transition to the book of Romans. Um, we'll be praying about that. So let me pray for us, have some communion, and, um, and I have a great rest of the night. Our Father God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for allowing us to see the beauty of your church, how your church has been built.